contemplated through Oakwood University, graduating in 1993 with a Bachelor of Social Work degree. Following graduation, he moved to Pine Forge, Pennsylvania and assumed responsibility as assistant dean of young men and religion and health teacher at Pine Forge Academy. He left Pine Forge after four years to study at the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary, graduating from Andrews University in 2000 with a Master of Arts in Youth Ministry. Following graduation, he accepted the call to be an instructor of religion at Andrews Academy and experience his and an experience he called one of his very best of his life. In June 2007, Pastor Hall accepted a call from the Nevada Utah Conference Seventh-day Adventists to serve as director of youth and young adult ministry, children's ministry, pathfinders and adventures, camp ministry, family ministry, men's ministry, singles ministry, prayer ministry, prison ministry, Adventist community ministry. It sounds like he's one whole ministry. <laughs> okay. And church ministry, the position he currently holds. Two days ago on June 20th, Pastor Hall celebrated his 20th year of marriage to the former Connie Smith, who is currently a public school teacher in Reno, Nevada. They have a 17-year-old son, David Solomon Hall Jr. I think he's here today. Is he? Yes, he's in the back with his dad today, who is a senior at Monterey Bay Academy. Pastor Hall is an ordained minister of the gospel who is a much sought after speaker. He's traveled nationally, internationally, preaching and conducting workshops and seminars for various events, written several articles for the Adventist publication, had along with his wife a weekly radio program on marriage and parenting issues in Reno, and has several sermons featured on the Hope Channel and Waronga Adventist Television. Pastor Hall loves young people, and his and this is evident to those who spend any time around him. He has dedicated his life to introducing and reintroducing as many young people and the young at heart as he can to his best friend, Jesus Christ. His key text can be found in 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, which says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Testing, testing, testing. Is it on or do I need to cut it on? Do I need to push something? Good afternoon, everyone. 
bring you greetings from the Nevada-Utah Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, where I have the privilege of serving you in quite a few capacities, as we mentioned. It is good to be here with you on such a high day, and Pastor Madden, I thank you for the invitation to be here. I'm thinking, I'm reminded of where I was this time last week as I shared Camp Marie with the Pathfinders, not only from this church, but from churches all over the conference. We just completed the largest Pathfinder Camp Marie in modern Nevada Day, Nevada, Utah conference history. We had 14 Pathfinder clubs in attendance and eight adventurer clubs in attendance. We had well over 600 individuals there and 13 baptisms took place. And we praise God for what he has done, the growth of our Pathfinder and Adventurer Clubs over especially the past six years that I have been here. It is just great to see the hard work, the tenacity, the vigor that the leadership of this church shows. And I was so proud of you and in your coming in second place and and, and in how you uh, comported yourself around the uh, camporee. There were things that folk could complain about, but your club chose not to do that. You, you, you made the best of some challenging situations. And whenever one puts together an event, thank you, whenever one puts an event for that many people together, trust me, it is not easy. And, and, and sometimes things fall through the cracks, and well, they did. But we are learning, we are growing. I, I, I really didn't anticipate that many coming, as many as did. We budgeted and planned for so many, and we were very pleasantly surprised because there were some who said, oh no, we won't be there. I took them at their word. Wouldn't you know they came? Praise the Lord. So there were some challenges along the way, but hey, praise God. We learn and we move on. We will do it again in two years for the Nevada-Utah Conference if Jesus has not returned. For next year will be the International Pathfinder Camporee in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we are anticipating some 41,000 pathfinders from all over the world. When we had it five years ago, five clubs from Nevada, Utah Conference went. Less than 60 pathfinders and me. And the 61 of us, we had a good time. But I, I, I wish more people could have had that good time. And to hear you talk about it, makes me excited because I know that your young people are going to experience something in Oshkosh and when they come back here to your church you won't know what hit you you won't know what hit you they'll be so on fire for God they'll be so on fire for God that you'll have to wear shades when you're around 
because they'll just be glowing like Moses when he was in the presence of God. They will be in that way. So we praise the Lord for, for that. There are a few things, <clears throat> and my voice is, is not strong today. There are a few things that I want to say as far as the conference is concerned, a personal thing, and then I feel like preaching. Bad voice and all. Two weeks from now will be the Nevada-Utah Conference Summer Camp, July 7 through 14, and we solicit your prayers for that. We are having Sabbath school training that will be taking place. It's conference-wide, but it will be taking place in Las Vegas, September 27 through 29. Next week in your bulletins, the information should be here, as well as the applications. And here's the one I am, I am exceptionally excited about because it's getting very close now. We are having a conference-wide, simultaneous junior youth rally, youth rally, and young adult rally, <clears throat> October 24 through 26. Our main speaker will be the general conference youth director, the youth director for the world, Elder Gilbert Kanji, and that will be held right here in Las Vegas. And we, we secured his services two years in advance, and we are just eagerly excited and waiting to see what God is going to do through that venture. And then next year, September 26 through 28, we are having simultaneously a singles retreat and a marriage retreat. How are we going to do it? I don't know. I got a couple of months to figure it out. But we're going to do it. It's going to be in the same location, just different places. And we'll have it going on at the same time. So we'll take care of both of those ministries. Our singles ministry speaker will be Andrea Hicks from New York. And our marriage retreat speakers will be Dr. Claudio and Dr. Pamela Consuegra, the North American Division uh, Family Ministries Directors. Man, this is good. But before I get into what I really want to talk about, Jesus, I, I, my wife texted me, and you are watching me right now via the screen. My wife has been away from me. I'm not going to get emotional. My wife has been away for some two weeks. We received word that her mother was sick. She was rushed to the hospital. And immediately my mind went to, well, it said Connie needs to go and be with her mom, period. 18 months ago today, a year and a half ago today, I had major open heart surgery. They weren't sure whether I was going to live or die. But 18 months later, I'm standing here in the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church about to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and so excited about it. But my mother-in-law, 
Who, who, who does not like airplanes? She only liked to watch them take off from the ground. She said, I will never fly until Jesus comes. Well, Jesus didn't come, but wouldn't you know she was on an airplane for her son-in-law to take care of me for several months to nurse me back to health. And I can't go to the hospital and be with her in Pennsylvania. I can't be there every day by her side like she was by my side. But my wife can. And so, Connie, I know you and Mom are watching. And I'm so glad you're doing better. I was scared. But I praise God, Mom Smith, that God saw fit to spare your life. And I can't wait to see you other than just Skype and FaceTime. I'm going to make a special trip just to Pennsylvania just to see you for myself. But I know Connie is doing a fine job there. And, and that's your daughter, your youngest daughter. And two days ago, we celebrated the 20th anniversary of you and your husband, who was also there watching you all giving, <laughs> giving. <laughs> Connie to me. And while it was sad celebrating my 20th anniversary without my wife, the Lord was kind and he let game seven be on that same night of the NBA <laughs> championship. And I am a Miami Heat fan, so thank you, God. You, <laughs> you saw my sacrifice and rewarded it kindly, and I am so grateful. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Connie asked me, so if I was, would have been there, would you have watched the game? I said, we'll never know. <laughs> so hello to my family there in Pennsylvania. My sister-in-law, Delma, you were there too. Hello to you. Uh, tomorrow is my wife's 43rd birthday. And again, we, this is the first birthday that I have not been with her in forever. I think in our entire marriage. But that's okay, Connie, because for three days, I will be much younger than you. I remember when she turned 40 and I was still 39. I called her grandma for three days, and I enjoyed every minute of it. But then June 26 came around, and suddenly 40 was the new 30. So happy birthday to you tomorrow, Connie, as well. And then on Wednesday, you can say the same thing to me. But I miss you, I love you, and I, yeah. So I'm going to stop talking about you because I'm getting emotional and thinking about your mom, I'm getting emotional. But I love you two women very much, and I'm glad you're together through this. And I would be remiss if I didn't say one more thing before we turn to the book of Mark. There is a young man who, because he goes to Monterey Bay Academy, never accompanies me on trips but both he and his driver's license accompanied me. 
and we left at 4.30, and we got here at quarter to one this morning, and he woke me up and said, Dad, we're here. And that was such a wonderful feeling to have a driver's license next to me and a young man uh, who I love dearly, my 17-year-old son, captain of his basketball team, Monterey Bay Academy, uh, class of 2014, David Solomon Hall, Jr., my right-hand man. Stand up, David, please. <laughs> I, I've talked about him in so many sermons, and now you get to see he is actually real. <laughs> he does exist. And his friend, uh, Kenneth Dupree the third. Uh, came with him. Kenny, I, I know you like, he's not going to say nothing about me. I'm going to just blend in. Ah, got you. Stand up, Kenny, please. That's Kenny. He graduated from high school a couple weeks ago, so now he's a man. <laughs> and it was just good. Us, uh, Of course, we miss you, Connie. But it was good, Kenny's been staying over at the house and we just had man time. And so I spent all day yesterday uh, rearranging man time so it would look like the house you left. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord, exactly, because I wasn't cleaning during game seven. <laughs> you know, praise the Lord. <laughs> that was a good game too. Yes, it was. Thank you, Jesus. Mark chapter 9. I'm going to bring it up again in my sermon, too. And you're going to say, now, how can Jesus be that? Watch and see how I do it. <laughs> Mark chapter 9. I'm going to read it again just because it's my custom. The 22nd verse to 29, New King James Version. And often he has thrown himself both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and into him no more. Then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him, and he arose. When he had come into the house, his disciples asked privately, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus said unto them, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I want you to pray. I realize it is 1245 and I will be very conscious of the time, but I'm also going to preach. So I ask you to just pray with me as we talk on Don't Stop Believing. Let's pray. Jesus, <laughs> it's your moment. I am so excited about what you're going to do today. I can't wait. Lord, communicate 
what you said to me to everyone else. Let us have an excited fervor about us. And when we leave this place, uh, may the words don't stop believing be forever etched in our minds. And our faith will be strong, 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 so that no matter what the devil throws at us, we'll be all right. That's my prayer, Jesus. Now do what you do best in Jesus' name. Amen. The disciples had been with Jesus. They had seen a Gentile woman healed. They had seen a deaf mute healed. They had seen Jesus feed the 4,000. They had seen him respond to the Pharisees who wanted a sign. They saw the blind man healed at Bethesda. Peter had even confessed that Jesus was the Christ. And now it was time for something different to happen. And Jesus took Peter, James, and John and said, let's go up on the mountain. Now that's fine if you're Peter, James, and John. But the Bible tells me that there were nine other disciples too. And how do you feel when you're the one left out? How do you feel when you were a little kid? You know how they used to pick teams? I got him. I got him. I got her. I got her. I got him. I got her. And then they get to you and they say, we'll just be one short. How do you feel when you're not the chosen one? How do you feel when somebody seemingly more qualified or, or, or less qualified than you get the promotion or they get the favoritism shown ab uh, above you and you see them starting to rise in the ranks? Do we, by human nature, just stand there and say, oh, yes. The Lord picked them. The Lord obviously knew I didn't need this. Thank you, Jesus, for not allowing it to happen to me. Do we do that? Or do we sometimes sit there and wonder, what is God thinking? Do he know who I am? I went to school for this thing. I studied. I am a guru. And she is a I don't know who. Why is she up there doing that? Why does she have the solo part and she can't carry two notes in a bucket? Why is she up there singing? Why do they have him reading the scripture? He don't even know a subject from a verb. Why is he up there doing that? Who do they think they are? Sometimes when we see people advancing, and we are not, it can become slightly troublesome. Thank you. It can be more than slightly troublesome. Now, what is it when Jesus picks the people? 
I want Peter. I want James. And I want John. And I bet Andrew, Bartholomew, and all those other guys were just waiting to see if he was going to have the Fantastic Four. But he said, no, that's enough. And the four of them made their way up the mountain. While the other nine, whereas they should have been just praying and asking whatever God wanted to happen to happen, began to talk to each other and grumble and feel sorry for themselves. And things in the valley slowly began to go downhill. Now for Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, it was slightly different. They were resting, and all of a sudden, they became witness to one of the greatest sights in the history of history when heaven and earth collided. And as they opened their eyes, they saw glowing figures. They saw Elijah talking to Jesus, uh, 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 symbolizing those who shall uh, go to heaven and not see death. And Moses symbolizing those who will die and be resurrected. And they're just sharing with Jesus. And I wish, I wish I could have been there to hear what they were saying. I, it's easy for me to say, I wouldn't have been asleep like Peter, James, and John at a moment like that. I would have heard everything they said. But how many times does Jesus speak to us through various people and we are sound asleep and miss it? How many times does Jesus speak to us even through our children? These kids sang some, I am a C. Jesus was speaking to us through that song. Did you see the power in which they sung it? Did you see the fervor? It's like, I'm a Christian. What? I ain't scared of nothing. They don't even know to be scared of anything. They just happy in Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And we could learn something from that. But sometimes we miss the obvious because we are asleep. We sit and we say, well, church going on too long. My stomach growling. And it is too. <laughs> we say, Lord. <laughs> but when you pay attention and you focused and you go with purpose, you ought to, before you get out of your car in the parking lot, Lord, what would you have me to get from this service today? Not who can I talk about today. Not who can I laugh at. Not who can I criticize. There is too much criticism of the church going on today. Everybody got their own opinion about how things should be done. Sometimes you need to be still and know that he is God. He's the one in charge. But we have no problem talking uh, 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 certain things about God's anointed. David said, I won't do it. But we have no problem doing that. And sometimes, come on David, our children hear this. And then they begin to grow up cynical. 
They don't want to have worship. They don't want to hear what it is we're saying. They may join Pathfinders, but only because you made them join. And soon as they old enough, poof, they gone. And we wonder now what happened to them. Sometimes we don't hear what it is Jesus is saying to us. Because we are asleep as those disciples on the mountaintop were. And then the Bible says they wake up and, and Peter, oh, it's good for us to be here. He had no clue what's going on. Sometimes we wake up and we, we just, oh, I want to do this. And we're doing the wrong thing. Something that ain't even needed in the church. And you're wondering, what's wrong with everybody? They don't want me. To, I, I'm on fire for the Lord. No, you late. You missed the boat. Wake up. See what's going on first and join that party. Don't do your own thing. It, it, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 9 verse 6 uh, it says, because he did not know what to say. Sometimes when you don't know what to say, don't say anything. For some people that is very hard to do. I like the TV show NCIS. It is my favorite show on television. My ringtone goes along with that. That's who I am. And, and, and there's a character on there, Tony Donoso, and he had lost his voice. And they said, the best way for you to uh, uh, get your voice back is to be quiet. And the whole thing of the show was to see how long he could be quiet. It took all, and I guess because TV and things have to move fast, but it took all of 30 seconds before he couldn't resist and he had to begin, he began to respond. Do we know people like that that got opinions on everything when you don't know what to say? If you hadn't read up on it, if you hadn't studied up on it, if you're not familiar with it, When I was a little kid, people thought I was intelligent. I mean, I got all A's, so that I was in that way. But I was around grown people a lot, okay? My great-grandmother raised me. She was 60 years older than me. So all of her friends were like her age. <laughs> they were seasoned. Now that I got some gray hair, I'm seasoned too, or slightly seasoned, I should say. And they would say, boy, they say to a million, that boy of yours is so smart. Just because I would sit there, they would say stuff, and I just looked like I knew what they were talking about. I had no clue. I was thinking of Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? But I'd be sitting there looking at them. Like, boy, you are smart. Thank you. No clue what we talking about, but I acted like it. Sometimes when you don't know what to say, be quiet. A cloud came, overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, "This verse 7, this is my beloved son, hear him. When you quiet, you can hear God's voice talking to you. You can know what it is that it, he, he wants you to do. Uh, a lot of times in life, we like, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? You ever been there? You ever been at the crossroad? I'm going through some transitions in my life mentally. I'm beginning to wonder, Lord, 
because I'm thinking about things. No, I ain't thinking about leaving, so don't, don't say that. Get a rumor, they're going to write the conference. He said he was leaving. No. There are other kind of transitions that you can go through. Okay, so don't start no rumors. Alright, I get back to the office and find somebody else at my desk. Don't, don't start no rumors. But I'm thinking and I, I began to ask the Lord and I started doing stuff to help him out. And then he wasn't talking to me. The more I did. Then the Lord said to me, just stop. I'll tell you what I want you to do. Just wait. You know, they didn't wait upon the Lord. But have you ever waited on him before? God be taking his time. I know like tomorrow is like or 10,000 years is a blink of an eye for him. But I'm not God. So it's not like that for me. And, and 10,000 years seem like that to me. And sometimes I don't want to wait. I get frustrated when I wait. That's why I go to the, the, the at Taco Bell. For less than $5, I can get full, and it's fast, too. And it's right down the street from my house. My wife been gone two weeks. You think I cooked? Thank you, Jesus, for Taco Bell. He knew what he was doing when he invented that bean burrito. Yeah. Get it without the cheese. It's vegan. Amen. I got to quit. I got to quit. Suddenly they, they were by themselves and they began going down the mountain because the moment was over. You can have a high time in Zion. You ever been to one of those worship experiences where you feel oh so close to God? You even buy the DVD of it because you want to keep that moment, keep it going, and you promise yourself, I'm going to keep this fire lit. You know they have these commitments. You will read your Bible every day, and you walk up there knowing you're not going to do it. <laughs> but you walk up there, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to this, I'm going to, because we so on fire. But you ever notice when, when you come down the mountain, the people that hadn't been on the mountain don't have the same verve that you have. Not everybody happy that you've been on that mountain. Not everybody happy when good stuff start happening to you. Not everybody in your corner, yay you. Sometimes people in your corner with knives waiting for you to turn your back so they can stab you in the back so they can get it. They came down the mountain. And as they came down, there were nine disciples that did not want to hear about no transfiguration. There were nine disciples that did not want to hear about some Spiritual gathering. They didn't care if Elijah was there, Moses was there, Noah could have been there with his ark. And all the animals, they wouldn't have cared about that either. They were just mad they didn't get called up there. What's going on up there on that mountain that I can't see? 
and they were mad. And in the midst of their madness, a father brought his son to be healed. Jesus sees what's going on and he says, what are you discussing with my disciples? Teacher, I brought you, verse 17, my son. He has a mute spirit wherever it sees him and throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at his teeth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they couldn't. Now, isn't that just like God? When you in your mad moment, feeling sorry for yourself, he sends a real live situation to you. And you don't know what to say. I was somewhere, I don't know where I was, I was on an airplane, I don't know where I was going, but I guess I got there. And I was mad. I was mad at my wife. I know she's perfect in every way, and <laughs> so it was my fault because she told me it was, so it must have been. <laughs> so I was mad, and I was just thinking mad thoughts because I was mad. It's like, wait, this why well, I'm glad I'm going out of town. I didn't want you to go anyway. And I'm thinking this all in my head, you know, and I'm just mad. I'm going to go tell people about Jesus without you. Show you. I don't need you. I don't need you. And I'm thinking, I mean, I'm, and somebody's sitting next to me on the plane with a real life problem. And they say, you look like a pastor. I don't know how they could tell. I had a frown on my face because I was mad. And I wanted to lie and say, no, leave me alone. You a woman, my wife a woman, I'm mad at womankind. Leave me alone. But I held it in. And so the Lord said, talk to her, David. I said, I ain't going to say that much. So I just, I, I just said, yes, I am. I smiled because pastors always smile, you know. Even when we don't feel like it, you just give that fake smile. Yes, I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then I turned my head to look back out the window because I wanted to look at the angels or something that pastors do. And she continued in this conversation. And then it got deep. And, I'm, and usually I can just pull rabbits out of hat, you know, because that's the Holy Spirit working in me. But I was like Ichabod. I went reaching for something, and there was no Holy Spirit. And I'm listening to myself. And I said, boy, I sound stupid. Now, there's a text in the Bible. This is the David version. When you sound stupid, I can change it around to make it sound sensible to who you're talking to. And they will hear what it is I'm saying. So usually sometimes if I sound a little off, I'm okay because I know God taking care of it. But I didn't feel his presence. So I think I just sounded stupid straight up. And she just gave me that look. I was like, oh, no. And then I tried to pray. Okay, let me pray in my head. Jesus, please give me the words to say. But it was a case of too little, too late, because I had been grumbling, bumbling, and I hope to God to this day that she found somebody to say something to her. Because I failed that day. The disciples were mad, and they got a demoniac thrown in front of them. They jealous, mad, 
What can you do when you got an evil spirit and somebody bring you an evil spirit? They evil spirit, look at yours. What's up? <laughs> yeah. We ain't going nowhere today. And you just sit there. They brought him to Jesus. And it was so bad. Jesus just started dialoguing just because. How long has this been happening? Jesus got him in conversation. And then the fellow said, I done tried everything else. But if you can do anything, please help my son. The disciples had misrepresented what Jesus was about so bad that Jesus himself show up and they like, if you can do something. And I know that Jesus was like, whoa, I'm Jesus. we represent Jesus to the world that we face every day do we represent him that if he were to come behind us the persons at work or on our job or, or in school or wherever would say to him if you can how do we represent Jesus Jesus looked right at the dude and he said if you can believe, all things are possible. And immediately, the father recognized that the future of his son was in his hand. And he said something that I have found myself praying a lot. I believe, but help thou my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. There are four points that I want to bring out real quick about this title, Don't Stop Believing. Four things that I want to bring out about that one verse, and then I'll sit down. Number one, don't stop believing. Number one, in regards to our faith, a lack of faith and great faith is found throughout the Bible. Say it again, David. A lack of faith and great faith is found in a lot of people in the Bible. But the people with the great faith are the ones who would surprise you. And the lack of faith people are the ones who should be in the other category. For example... The centurion said to Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house to heal my servant. Just say the word and he'll be healed. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I hadn't found anyone in Israel with such faith as this. Or what about the Canaanite woman who Jesus tried to put away and he was talking about dogs and crumbs and she said, nah, I ain't leaving you alone. He said to her, woman, you have great faith. Now contrast that by people who should have known better. John the Baptist, art thou he that should come? 
or look we for another? Or Thomas, unless I touch the holes in his hand or the holes in his side? Or Peter, who would end up cursing him? Or Judas, who abandoned him? But the good news is this gives us hope. Even though those people had little to no faith, in their spirit they cried out, Help thou my unbelief. And God worked with whatever faith they were able to muster. Second thing I want to tell you regarding faith, when you have doubt, there are some people who say, and I want you to hear the whole point I'm making, okay? There are some who say we should never doubt. That is unnatural. It is human nature to have apprehension at times. It's what you do with it that causes the problem. Doubt leads to discovery. It's like the little boy that said to his dad, Dad, why is the sky blue? I don't know. Why is the grass green? I don't know. Dad, does it make you mad when I ask you questions? No, son, because if you don't ask questions, you don't learn anything. God wants you to ask questions. God's not sitting there like some tyrannical tyrant. Do not talk to me. I am God. Don't ask me anything. Just do it because I know best. No, God wants to engage you in conversation. 18 months ago, they cut my chest open. They took my heart out, cut some junk out, put me back together like Humpty Dumpty. Don't think I didn't have questions about that. When my voice was gone and I couldn't preach anymore, and I got up to preach the first time and I sounded like a frog, and I'm, Lord, will it ever come back? Ear, nose, throat specialist. Well, it's hard to say. I said, I preach, so say, please, <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> and I went to God, and God was like, I'm not saying nothing just yet. I talked to him, and talked to him, and talked to him, and talked to him with my frog sound and voice. I kept talking, I'm Lord. But funny thing happened in, on the way to me just talking to him all the time. My faith in him started to grow. The more I got it off my chest, it, 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 it was like the peace that passes all understanding. And that stuff that the world can't give or the world can't take away, it started coming on me. And, 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 and I realized in talking to him and having a relationship with him that he's all right. And I didn't have to know the answer to every question. All I had to know was the one I was asking the questions to. And that he loved me enough that I could ask him anything I wanted. And God didn't put me on hold. I didn't hear, hear no recorded message. I didn't hear no music playing over and over and over again. I got his undivided attention whenever I went to talk to him. There's a TV show from the 1960s the courtship of Eddie's father. And on that show, Eddie would always say something to his dad. He would always ask him questions. 
And I didn't grow up with a man in my house. I was raised by my great-grandmother. But I always said, if I ever become a dad, and praise Jesus I am, when my son comes to me like that TV show, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing. And I can be in, in executive committee meetings now. And if my phone ring and I look and I see this handsome face of a 17-year-old that shares my name, I will walk out and I will take whatever it is that he says. With that being said, I got two more. I'm almost done. Number three, there are things in life that we cannot know. Say it again. There are things in life that we cannot know. I have a cat. My cat's name is Sly. Those of you on Facebook with me and friends, you know I have 390-some pictures of my cat on Facebook. He looks the same in all of them, but he just poses. Sometimes he sleeps, sometimes he's awake. I love my cat. My cat, no matter what I think, I do think that he, he understands because when the heat was winning, you know, he just came up. He was, meow. I'm like, yeah, Sly, what? When they were losing, he would just close his eyes, train up a cat in the way he should go. But there's some things I can't just, even though when I, when I was going through my rehabilitation, there were days it was just me and the cat in the house. And I talked to my cat. I told him, man, my chest hurts so bad right now. I can hardly breathe. He looked at me, meow, and stuck his head under my hand saying, I could care less, man. Rub me. I'm glad you're here all day to do it. Sly doesn't really understand what I'm saying, so it makes no sense for me to explain things to him. I don't fully understand what God's doing. So there's some areas of life that he have to keep roped off because I'm not mentally capable of understanding it right now. But when we all get to heaven, it'll be a little different then. And then I'll be able to understand so I have to know there are some things I just won't know. Number four, number four, then what do you do with your doubts? Number four, what do you do with your doubts? Explore them. I said it in a different way earlier, but explore your doubts. Talk to Jesus. Talk to him. Talk to him. There are, things, there are times that David Jr. and I do not agree. He is a teenager. I am a rational adult that knows everything. <laughs> I know he's laughing in his head. He's like, yeah, dad, right. And I do not mind if he talks to me. I don't mind. Like, Dad, so why can't I take the car to such and such place? And I might think about it. I might. 
probably just going up the street. He's going to the store. He can buy me something while he's there. <laughs> yes, yeah, son, you can go. Go for it. And while you're there. You know, sometimes it's good to have certain types of dialogue. That's it. That's it. He said respectful dialogue. And it's good to dialogue with God. Don't, as much as I enjoy talking with David Jr., don't you think God would enjoy talking to you? He has so much to offer. We just give him a perfunctory prayer. Thank you for waking me up. Amen. Thank you for my food. Amen. Now I lay me down to sleep. Amen. And we just give him that quick stuff. Imagine if our children talked to us like that or our spouses. We would feel so unloved, unwanted. Take time to explore all this stuff with God. He's not threatened by what we do. And in exploring it, let me say this and I'm done. Don't blame God. It ain't God's fault. If he hadn't have created me, then I wouldn't have this problem. No. Where was God when this happened? Remember, there are some things we just can't understand. February 11th, 1981. I'm done. February 11th, 1981. Six of my closest friends, a person deliberately set their house on fire. I was 10 years old. The youngest kid that died was two. They found her skeleton in the closet. The oldest was 12. I knew who did it, too. Everybody knew who did it. And every time I saw him walking free, it made me mad. Because at 10, I thought when you do bad stuff, you should go to jail. That's what I thought. But apparently, if you knew the right people and you had enough green stuff, you could do what you want to do and nothing would happen to you. I discovered that at 10. <laughs> and I thought that was unfair that I had to lose my friend. I, would, I went from having people I hung out with at school to having to find a new crew. <laughs> Mine were dead at 10 years old. And that messed up my adjustment in school. I was in sixth grade, fifth grade. And that messed me up for years. That just threw me off because I thought whenever I got close to somebody, they would go. Because the friends I had before that moved away. Then I became friends with these kids and they died. So I didn't want to be friends with nobody else anymore. And I still have a hard time with it. And I'm like, God, why you do this thing? And it took me a while to understand that it's not necessarily God doing it. God didn't tell those people, go set that house on fire and kill them. I said to him, but you allowed it. You could have stopped it. But I began to study God more and get to know God more and fall in love with God more. 
And the more that I fell in love with him, the more I understood his character and I understood what he was about. And then I saw the stark contrast to what the other guy was about. And then I decided God will explain it. And I'm going to just trust him. So don't stop believing. When it seemed like everything is all over, there's a story about a basketball team. Some say this story took place on June 18th, 2013. In this basketball game, there was this team. We'll call them San Antonio. And we'll call the other team Miami, just, just because. And with 25 seconds left, they started bringing the trophy out to crown San Antonio champions. And I watched an interview of Mickey Arison, the owner of the Miami Heat, and he said, I thought it was over. It looked as though it was over. I sat in my house by myself and I just looked at the TV because I talked to my TV and I said, it's over. I can't believe it's over. And I just looked at the TV and I was ready to give up. There are times in your life where you may look at your TV and say, I'm ready to give up. There are times in your life when life will bring out the championship trophy for the devil and it looks as though evil will triumph. It looks as though the bad guys are going to win. Sometimes the Bible, we think it should say, blessed are those who act like hellions because they'll be blessed. But I pay my tithe, I pay my offering, and ain't no windows opening up. And ain't no even a crack in the sky. There are days when it look as though it is over. But then the strangest thing can happen. Life has a way of hitting a three-pointer. Somebody who'd been scoring all game can miss a crucial foul shot. And out of nowhere, a Ray Allen can hit a miracle three. And before you know it, life is tied with you. You go to overtime and win. And then get this, get this, get this, get this, get this, get this. You can have a game seven. But in game seven, I don't have to worry about shooting the ball because I got a star on my team that can do anything. He is the best assist man because when I need a hand, oh, he can give me a hand. He is the best rebounder because when something seems out of reach, he can soar above everybody and get the rebound. And when I need a basket, when the game is on the line, wait, wait, there was a time when the game was on the line. And my hero in my game seven did like this. 
And when he did like this, it was as though the ball soared through the basket. It soared through it. And I could almost see Satan. I could almost see the devil. I could almost see the demons just looking to see what's going to happen. And the ball just began to circle on the rim and circle on the rim as they took him off the cross and they put him in the tomb. It just circled on the rim. They thought <laughs> that it was going to bounce off the rim because it circled on a Friday. It circled on a Saturday. But early Sunday morning, Something happened to that ball, and my champion, his ball, went through the basket. And so because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know that it is God who holds my future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. God sent me here today to tell somebody, don't stop believing. Just because it looked like it's over, it ain't over till God says it's over. Don't stop believing. Listen, my voice is strong. Don't stop believing. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Don't stop believing. He that shall come will come and will not tarry. Don't stop believing. Behold, I make all things new. This is what I want you to do. I'm done. This is what I want you to do. I want you to promise in your heart of hearts. Promise yourself that when those seeds of doubt come, because they will, explore them with Jesus. I want you to promise me that you will tell Jesus how you feel. You know how sometimes we get mad at people and we don't talk to them and they don't know why? Don't do that with Jesus. If you're upset, if you're frustrated, talk to him. Pour out your soul to him. When I laid in that bed, when I was going through my rehabilitation, when it hurt me to walk from here to you, when I breathed in, it hurt, and breathed out, it hurt, which meant it hurt so many times a day. I just sat there about to go insane. I was in so much pain. And I asked the doctors, when will this go away? Well, it's hard to say. Jesus, when will it? It's hard to say. It's all I could hear. I told Jesus how I felt. I poured it out to him and I told him, Lord, get this. I want to get better because I want to preach some more. I like to preach about you. I love you, Jesus. And I believe, now I'm not saying I'm the world's greatest. I'm not. But if you give me another chance, I'll go wherever you want me to go and tell whoever you want your story. And then I said to him, but if you choose to do something different, 
at this moment, I'm not okay with that. But help thou my unbelief. Help me to be okay with whatever it is you want me to do. If I never preach again because of my condition and the pain, then I ask you to sharpen my mind so I can write for you. If you don't give me the ability to write, then bring people to me so I can just wave my head or stomp my feet at them. Give me a way to just keep praising you, Lord. And I prayed and prayed and one day the, the voice started coming back. It took 13 months but the swelling in my chest went down this past February. Now I'm off. I was taking 32 pills a day. I'm only taking 11 now. When you stay with Jesus, when Jesus is writing your story, don't stop believing. Give him the pen. Get out of the way. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. If you are in a situation this is all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. But inside your mind, I want you to say to Jesus, I won't stop believing. Matter of fact, I want you to say to Jesus, I still believe. The Bible says in John it says to Thomas, Jesus talking to Thomas, blessed is he who have not seen and still believe. So I want you to say to Jesus, I still believe. Father, in the name that is above every other name, we give you praise. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the creator. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Before anything else was created, you alone are God. And Lord, we come before you today with three words. I still believe. Come hell or high water, I still believe. No matter what the devil throws, I still believe. And though he, 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 he looked like he going to throw the kitchen sink at us, I still believe. Wait, that is the kitchen sink flying. I still believe. Lord, you know what we going through. But our sermon was entitled, Don't Stop Believing. Lord, we ain't going to stop believing. We will trust you. We like David in Psalm 34, verse 1. I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. Now, in some areas, we're not as strong as others. So, Lord, where we say we still believe, but we're a little shaky, you promised that your grace would be sufficient. So I need some grace infusions right now where we fall short in the name of Jesus. But you said if we ask anything in your name, you would do it. So in the name of Jesus, 
I need you to infuse us with some of that grace when we fall short. And Lord, when we don't feel like walking anymore, like that poem of the footprints in the sand, I, I want you to carry us, Lord. Then when all is said and all is done, when time ends and eternity is set to begin, when we see that cloud about the size of a man's hand, on that day, Lord, let us not be in that number that call for the rocks to fall on them or the hills to cover them. But may everyone under the sound of my voice, including those watching this broadcast, may we all be able to say without one weak link, without anyone falling by the wayside, lo, this is our God. We waited on him. We still believe. And he will save. Us make it so just because you can. And before I say amen, I would be remiss if I did not thank you for a church that loves its pathfinders and adventurers so much. May the ministry that they do go on and on and on and on, even as they prepare for Oshkosh next year. Lord, let the money be free-flowing so that these kids, these young people and their leaders will have one of the most remarkable, life-changing experiences ever. Thank you, Jesus. We still believe. And because of that, we ask these favors and mercies now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Pathfinders, you can be part of one of the most exciting youth events in the world. The 2014 Forever Faithful International Pathfinder Camporee will take place August 12 through 16, 2014 in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Come play, learn, and worship with 35,000 Pathfinders from over 100 countries. Come participate in daily parades with thousands of people. Come earn any of over 100 honors. Come enjoy 